good morning. Unbelievably, it's the last day of August 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast dedicated entirely to autonomous cars in the world. Today, episode 49, locals get very annoyed with Waymo. We discuss several industries sure to be disrupted by autonomous cars or even invented altogether. And China gets very serious about electric and autonomous cars here in the U.S. All this right now. But first, don't forget, it's Friday, so we're going to do our second ever Autonomous Cars Friday Poll Day. So today, the question is, what potential benefits about autonomous cars are you most excited about? Is it A, not caring about traffic anymore, B, fewer traffic accidents, C, more time in your day, or D, something else, in which case, please tweet me. But yeah, so head on over to twitter.com slash autonomous hogue. Cast your vote. Let us know what you think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so to kick things off today, this sounds rather tongue-in-cheek, but it's actually a pretty important thing. Um, so Alphabet Google's self-driving car division, Waymo, right? So I think many of you know they've been testing fully autonomous uh, Chrysler Pacifica minivans down in Arizona. For purposes of this particular story, we're looking at Chandler, Arizona, where it turns out these minivans are actually rather starting to annoy the locals. It turns out they're a bit overly conservative. Yeah, I know, that sounds kind of ridiculous, but just check this out. Um, Well, it turns out they just tend to sort of dawdle at best, and at worst, they just don't know what to do. Specifically, it turns out they tend to get very, very confused in intersections, and I'm guessing, although it's not explicitly cited here, uh, they probably tend to go a bit too slowly as well. Um, And as you can maybe imagine, uh, this actually can potentially, rather than increase safety, you can sort of decrease safety as, you know, now very annoyed other drivers tend to do things potentially illegal to try and kind of get around all this. Um, so one really good example of this, of course, is, you know, how in almost all the U.S. states, uh, dawdling in the left lane of a freeway, say, rather than using it explicitly for passing, uh, that's generally speaking uh, allowed. Uh, obviously, pretty much everywhere else in the developed world, you can only use the leftmost lane, uh, that is, for you know, left-hand drive. Uh, you know, if you drive on the right, you can only use the left-hand lane uh, for passing only. Of course, flip it around for those who drive on the left. Um, and, and you know, the result of this, because of all the bottlenecking and the, the traffic, the buildup it causes, this actually really annoys people. And so this causes them to drive more dangerously than they would otherwise. I mean, that left lane should be kept free for passing only. Um, so, so anyway, so that's a pretty good analogy. And I have to say, living here in a smallish community just north of San Francisco, it's up in Marin County, for those of you uh, who know the area, I have to say, I'm pretty familiar with this, where it is routinely the case that on 40 and 45 mile per hour roads, you typically find locals who drive 25 and 30. I'm not exaggerating. Genuinely, I've seen people going 25 miles per hour on 40 and 45 mile an hour stretches of road. Yeah, obviously, the average age here is like 97. I get it. But still, it causes a bother, and that's sort of the whole point here. So, 
You know, it, it is it is really interesting. And, and again, I say it sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek, but here's why it's a big deal. So I've discussed quite a bit on this show the importance for self-driving cars, if they're going to be really uh, accepted by the mass public, right, is that they're going to have to learn to drive like humans. Uh, I mean, I say that in the best of ways. Um, so what I mean by that is they're going to have to learn how to really smooth their inputs, right? So so we're talking here about your smooth human uh, drivers, not the really annoying ones. Uh, because in the best case scenario, if you don't sort of smooth out those input functions, as it were, right, gentle turns, smooth braking, smooth accelerating, in the best case scenario, you're going to just end up with a really messy backseat when somebody loses their breakfast. In a worst case scenario, well, you could have an accident. So um, there was an episode I did uh, about a month or two-ish back uh, where I did what I believe to be the first ever live podcast from, and I should say while testing, a Tesla P100D with autopilot. And um, although I don't think this particular story is in, the, in that episode, which is why I'm going to tell you now, uh, it's really important to mention what happened. Uh, I was driving back uh, on 19th Avenue in San Francisco, for those of you who know the street, it is the most annoying street in the world. Um, obviously, autopilot, exceptionally good for things like stop-and-go traffic. In this case, the traffic was mercifully mm, doing a bit more go and a bit less stop, although at only 10 or 15 miles per hour or so. Uh, in any event, I had autopilot on. I was in the leftmost lane up against the um, the divider, which is filled with uh, plants. And all of a sudden, the Tesla just slammed on its brakes for no reason whatsoever. And the car behind me, of course, at least it looked like, in my rearview mirror, nearly hit me. Uh, I think what had happened is that the Tesla, uh, I think its cameras had seen maybe some plants sticking out sort of out of that center median uh, in front of the Tesla, and it probably decided it was a thing that it probably shouldn't hit. Yeah, it was just a plant. It would have been okay. And so, so, you know, I think that's a really good example, though, about the need for cars to kind of really just get all these little details right. I mean, obviously, this kind of goes without saying, but I'm, I'm really using this as an analogy to explain that here. In this case, we had a very real, shall we say, strategic error that was made, right? The Tesla slammed on its brakes, nearly causing a rear-end collision. Um, you know, and then arguably on the lower end of the scale, not so much calling a, uh, causing a strategic, uh, you know, strategic error, but rather um, just sort of dawdling and not kind of driving in keeping with the local driving custom and etiquette. That could just be very, very annoying. Or as mentioned earlier, it can lead to more dangerous behavior, right? Um, I should say, as another example, again, here locally uh, where I live, uh, you know, zipper lanes, right? You got two lanes, they merge together about maybe half a mile down the road, Um People here generally don't know how to use zipper lanes. You're supposed to use the entirety of both lanes and then gradually kind of alternate one car after the other at the point of merging between the lanes. Here, for whatever reason, nobody does that. They all quickly try to dart into the, uh, into the remaining lane at the very start of the zipper. This, of course, causes a ridiculously backed-up traffic jam and is just hugely inefficient. Uh, try to use the entirety of the zipper lane merge and you end up with people trying to block you off, honk at you, or worse. So, I get it. Different cities, different regions in the world, certainly different countries in the world, are going to have different driving customs and etiquette. Um, you know, Elon Musk kind of alluded to a thing about this. You'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. Um, that, you know, he was thinking of putting on different levels of aggression, not really the best word for PR purposes, uh, but different levels of aggression for the autopilot lane change functionality, right? So you flip on your lane change indicator and then the car switches lanes 
when it deems appropriate and safe. Now, for those of you living in LA versus San Francisco, I've lived in both for roughly half my life each. Um, you'll know what I'm on about here because in LA, uh, generally signaling is sort of uh, an afterthought. It's optional. The idea being there's just so many cars on the freeway that you shouldn't have to signal to ask permission. You don't want to get the guy behind you to slow down. That's just rude and awful and annoying. Um, and you should never be allowed to drive again if you do that. The idea is if you see an opening, just take it. Don't ask permission. Don't don't slow people down. Yeah, use the signal if you need them to slow down because you've you know made a mistake. You're going to miss your turn, etc. But if you have a hole, just take it. I'm not saying this is legal or that it's right. I'm simply saying it's the custom of driving in LA because there's just so many cars driving at such an astonishing high rate of speed. Typically 75, 80 in the 65 mile per hour posted freeways of LA and then 80 and 85 on the 65 mile per hour posted freeways of San Diego. It's a very different driving dynamic to up here in the Bay Area, especially in Marin, uh, where, you know, it's, it's just a much slower, more kind of dawdly style of driving, shall we say. So, so anyway, this is all kind of a roundabout way of getting to my point, which is, you know, we look back at what's happening in Chandler, Arizona. I get it. These Chrysler minivans are driving more conservatively, more safely, because of course they're still learning. They're not really that good yet. My point though, is that there is something to be said about, you know, once these really get fleshed out fully, there is something to be said, I think, about ensuring that, uh, you know, fully autonomous cars are at least somewhat programmed to kind of blend in with the local driving dynamic and kind of just not bother everybody, as it were, right? Um, Now, I realize many of you are probably shaking your heads thinking, Mark, you idiot, what are you talking about? Once autonomous cars are everywhere, the notion of different driving dynamic, etiquette, and protocol in different regions, that'll be a non-issue. Yeah, of course, you're right. I agree. I'm just suggesting that obviously that's going to take several decades to happen, right? Uh, For full saturation of autonomous cars. I'm just suggesting that in the interim to kind of help them kind of merge in, as it were, um, it would perhaps be helpful to ensure that the cars do in fact, uh, you know, blend in as best as possible. So anyway, just something to think about. Uh, Meanwhile, To the folks down in Chandler, Arizona, breathe. Just breathe. Relax. Don't cause any accidents. And that's all I have to say about that. Hey, just a friendly reminder, for those of you enjoying this podcast over at iTunes Podcasts, please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and optimally, if you please, a written review. I'm pleased to say that since this podcast got launched back in February, I've managed to maintain a solid 5.0 star rating. Now, obviously, the more ratings and reviews I get, the better this is for me. So if you haven't done it yet, please don't assume you're off the hook just because somebody else may go ahead and do it. I really, really appreciate and really need all of you to do this. So please head on over. Do that real quick right now before we continue. I'll be here when you get back. Thank you so much. All right, so there's a cool article over at 2025 AD. Uh, The title of the article is The Interior of Driverless Cars, 5 game-changing business models. So we've talked about some of these in the past. There is at least one here that really I find really intriguing, actually. I'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But let's kind of go through these real quick. So the first and really unsurprising one, of course, is the driving restaurant. After all, if a car is autonomous, there's no reason at all why it can't effectively be a mobile restaurant. After all, we've got uh, food trucks. Well, now we've got restaurant cars. I mean, why not, right? So... Um, you know, this little, uh, this paragraph here on, on driving restaurants begins with the notion that Domino's Pizza has, of course, already installed pizza ovens into their conventional cars to keep the pizzas warm. Well, obviously, if you've got a 
slightly larger vehicle in which you can fit a couple folks. Uh, why not just actually have food being served right there? I'm not quite sure where the, you know, I guess it might have to be microwavable, maybe a real tiny stove if you've got a big enough autonomous vehicle, maybe a minivan, maybe a camper bus kind of autonomous car, but I think that makes perfectly good sense. Heck, it could be used, at least used for kind of a picnic sort of thing. Um, Somewhat similar to this, of course, uh, the trip itself becomes the appointment. Um, Obviously, usually people meet for meetings. They kind of agree to meet at some point. Here, though, you can actually do the meeting in the vehicle. You could do it kind of on your way to work or at the end of the workday or in between different meetings. I mean, I don't know. The meeting itself would take place in the car. That's the point. It would take a lot of – it would free up a lot of time, right? So I think that kind of doesn't require too much of a leap. One of the things I'm most intrigued by, of course, is the notion of autonomous cars replacing or at least serving as a really viable um, substitute for short-haul air travel. Say you want to fly from San Francisco to Las Vegas, it's a flight which, okay, the flying time is really only, what, 45 minutes or so, but door-to-door, you're looking at closer to like three hours or so. But if you can hop into an autonomous car, and especially if this car is able to go quicker and certainly price competitively with a flight, um, that suddenly becomes a pretty compelling um, use case, certainly a good alternative to flight, especially since here in, in the States, at least on the West Coast, in the center of the U.S., we really don't have much in the way of trains. This, of course, what keeps uh, air travels so relatively cheap throughout Europe and, uh, and Asia. Uh, we've talked a lot about you know autonomous cars being a really fantastic option for the elderly, for the disabled, so I'm not going to really dive into that too much. What I would like to talk about, though, is this fifth thing, which I really never even never even occurred to me. Um, so there's this notion that airlines and uh, and perhaps rental agencies, maybe airports themselves, they themselves are going to own autonomous cars. Um, they're essentially going to function as the check-in mechanism. So the idea here is illustrated uh, in this article. Uh, and by the way, I should mention that a lot of this discussion is from Warren Schramm. He's a technical director of it. Teague. It's a design consultancy based up in uh, in Seattle, Washington. So, you know, what he says here is that in the near term, 2022 or, uh, to 2025, um, you know, one of the things we might see is a partnership between airlines and rental car companies. So the idea is that you, uh, you don't just book for the, you know, the flight itself, but rather you're able to get transported directly to the gate or to the to the hotel, for instance. Um, the idea is that you open the trunk, drop your bags in. This automatically checks in your bag. Um, and again, the notion here is that the car, the autonomous car, will be owned by the airline. Uh, the car, of course, will be able to scan, label your bag. It'll be TSA approved, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, once you get out of the car at the airport, you'll therefore have already gone through security screening. This means you can just sort of walk to the gate and off you go. So it's. It's these kind of seemingly small things that I find really interesting that aren't really always talked about. Again, this is something I'd never even, it had never occurred to me. And, you know, as for, for, for those of you who tend to travel a lot, I mean, think about it. This would be kind of nice. It'd actually be really, really cool. So uh, anyway, that's just one of the, the several five that I find most interesting. So let me know if you have any other ideas, by the way. Shoot me some tweets. Uh, drop a whole bunch of industries. Be as specific as you can. Um... Those that really stand out the best that I'm really, really blown away about, I will absolutely share on the, in the next episode, I promise you. So let me know what you've got. Uh, let's hear them. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that there is a new YouTube channel for this show, but I need your help to get a custom URL because uh, apparently you need like 30 subscribers or so until that happens, and I've only got like four or five. Um, so please do that. You can find the link 
uh, at the bottom of each episode's article at uh, at our website, markhoke.com, and of course in the episode show notes. So yeah, if you'd be so kind, please click on that link. It'll take you over to the YouTube channel. Click the subscribe button. Thank you so much. All right, so to close things out today, pretty amazing news over uh, at electrek.co. Um, so, you know, we've heard a bit now and then about China really entering the EV and AV uh, race. Um, and now we're going to talk about a particular startup based out of China called NIO. That's N-I-O. And their website, by the way, which you absolutely need to check out, is nio.io. So... First of all, NIO is, um, so they're backed by Tencent. And if that name sounds familiar, well, they're also backing Tesla. So if ever there was a good uh, case study on diversification, this is surely it. I mean, Tencent's behind both Tesla and NIO. I mean, that's, that's pretty great. Um, in any event, so NIO has uh, already done really well in China. They've raised something like over a billion dollars already. And now they're slated to enter the U.S. market with production cars by 2020. Specifically, it looks like the first vehicle is going to be the NIO ES8. It's a seven-seat all-electric SUV, and it looks really good. Now, by the way, if NIO is a name that kind of rings a bell, it's maybe because if you've heard of something rather less pedestrian, specifically perhaps the NIO EP9, said to be the fastest electric car in the world, had apparently managed a Nürburgring Nordschleife lap record in Germany, of course, this the famous uh, greatest track in the world, uh, where really, really fast cars can manage in the six- and seven-minute range. Uh, anyway, it managed a whopping six minutes, 45 seconds. Uh, so this is pretty astonishing stuff. Similarly, uh, here in the States at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, the fantastic Formula One circuit it managed a staggering two minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, anyway, this is sort of above and beyond the scope of what I was here to discuss, which is really what NEO is all about. Specifically then, electricity and autonomy, because these cars are going to be, well, it seems they're going to be quite fantastic, actually. Um, so, so what's amazing, though, is that not only are they going to enter the U.S. market with a full uh, electric and potentially autonomous car, or at least upgradable to full autonomy, uh, at some point down the road, uh, it turns out they're also gearing up, uh, pun not intended, as these cars will decidedly not have gears, uh, for a U.S. IPO, in which they're trying to raise $1.3 billion. Now, to put things in perspective, besides the fact this will be the only other fully electric automobile company in the U.S. to go public, um... If you compare where these guys are at now to where Tesla was at such an early stage in the game, by every objective metric, they're quite a bit ahead. Um, I mean, not only have they delivered already a 1,000 units, they're certainly going to be the most cash-rich uh, electric car maker in the world, right? Especially once they raise $1.3 billion here in a US IPO, should that occur. So, so anyway, um, not much more to say on this for the time being. Uh, again, do check out their website at NIO. That's N-I-O dot I-O. Uh, I mean, these are some really beautiful cars. Uh, I mean, the SUV is... Actually, it's quite pretty, too. Uh, but, man, they're... <laughs> they're uh, the NIO EP9 electric car, the, the supercar, that is just spectacular. So, um, yeah, obviously, we'll have more news as it comes to us in the coming months, for sure. So be sure to check back. 
All right, so that's a wrap for today. Please, as a very friendly reminder, uh, be sure to check out our website, markhogue.com, where you can do two things that are very, very important and dear to my heart. Number one, please be sure to remember to leave a testimonial if you haven't yet done so. I promise it'll be plastered nicely there on the website for the world to see. And also from the website, you can find a link to the donation page, uh, which is basically my rather uh, shameless way of asking you for your support. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you like listening to it uh, two times a week, please consider at least heading on over, clicking the link uh, so that you can support this podcast with a very kind monthly donation. You can do so in the amount of 99 cents per month, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Uh, This obviously, not only does it mean a lot to me, but it'll help ensure that this podcast continues to grow and uh, indeed stick around for the foreseeable future, which, by the way, also requires your help sharing it with all your friends and colleagues. I know many of you have done that already, so thank you so much. Um, But yeah, what can I say? Obviously, your help, your support, very much appreciated indeed. So thank you very, very much. So for those of you here in the States with me, have a wonderful three-day weekend for the Labor Day holiday. I'll be traveling on Tuesday, so we'll pick up where we left off with episode 50 on Wednesday, the 5th of September. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.